Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. There are things that go bump in the night, and we are the ones who bump back. Somewhere in the cosmos, perhaps, intelligent life may be watching these lights of ours, aware of what they mean. Or do our lights wander a lifeless cosmos? I couldn't help at one point in my discussions with General Secretary Gorbachev. I couldn't help but say to him, just think how easy his task and mine might be in these meetings that we held. If suddenly there was a threat to this world from another planet outside in the universe, well, I don't suppose we could wait for some alien race to come down and threaten us, but I think that between us we can bring about that realization. Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to another episode of Cryptique, where Ryan and I bring you stories of the paranormal, urban legends, forbidden knowledge, hidden history, and conspiracy theories, and so much more. We want to ask you all for a favor. It will only take a couple seconds. Please subscribe if you're listening on most platforms, but you'll have to click follow if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. It won't cost you more than a few seconds to do, but it will really help us. The more subscribers we have, the more often Cryptique will pop up in searches for a particular topic. We put a lot of time in researching and recording, but it doesn't stop there. There are hours of editing. A 45-minute podcast usually takes four to five hours to edit, mix, and master. We do this every week, and if you think you've subscribed, double-check. You may be suffering from the Mandela Effect. What is the Mandela Effect, Ryan? From misquoting famous movie lines to recalling entire events that never occurred, the human memory is far from perfect. The Mandela effect is one popular but heavily debated type of false memory. So let's explore what the Mandela effect is, including its potential causes and a few famous examples. And let's also talk about how to recognize false memories. False memories, including the alleged death of Nelson Mandela in the 1980s, are known collectively as the Mandela effect. The Mandela Effect describes a situation in which a person or group of people have a shared false memory of an event. Fiona Broom coined the term over a decade ago when she created a website detailing her recollections of former South African President Nelson Mandela dying in prison in the 1980s. However, Nelson Mandela did not die in prison in the 1980s. After serving 27 years in prison, Mandela served as president of South Africa between 1994 and 1999 and passed away in 2013. Despite these facts, Broom seemed to remember international news coverage of Mandela's death from the 1980s. She even found others who had almost identical memories of Mandela's death in the 20th century. There are several potential causes of the Mandela effect. First is false memories. The concept of false memories provides one potential explanation for this effect. False memories are untrue or distorted recollections of an event. Some false memories contain elements of fact closely resembling the actual event in question, however others are entirely false. Although the idea of false memories causes discomfort for some people, memory mistakes are quite common. 
Memory does not work like a camera, objectively cataloging images, events, and statements in their purest forms. Emotions and personal bias can both influence memories. Researchers have even discovered a simple method of inducing false memories called the Dees Rodiger McDermott task paradigm. I hope that's pronounced right. <laughs> or the DRM task paradigm. During the DRM task paradigm, participants read a list of semantically related words such as zebra, monkey, whale, snake, elephant. We might have just triggered a sleeper agent out there somewhere. After reading the list, researchers will ask the participants whether or not they recall a lure word, which is another related word not included on the list. A lure word in the above example might be lion. Although the term is semantically related to the other words in the list, it is not present. Usually the participants will recognize the lure word and recall reading it, even though it was never on the list. According to the authors of one 2017 study, people remember false memories induced via the DRM task paradigm for as long as 60 days. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, it's, it's kind of why we have some of the laws we have as far as interviewing potential witnesses on the stand because the way a question mm. is presented can lead to the response you want, even if it's not accurate. So that's why we don't ask leading questions in court, even though, you know, on my other podcast, I cover all these crummy prosecutors that just care about winning and don't care about the facts. And they use this mm -hmm. technique all the time. Like, for instance, like saying, did you see the defendant driving his black Camaro? Well, then you think, yeah, I saw the defendant. Uh, gosh, was it a black Camaro? I'm not, I guess it was. Yeah, I saw him driving his black Camaro mm -hmm. because that's the thought that was put in your head. Yeah, and that's that's a common thing that you see in like shows like Law and Order. Mm -hmm. My fiance watches Law and Order all the time, and I hear stuff like that. Like, did you see this? Well, isn't it also possible that he was doing this? Mm -hmm. I also hear that in you know the the news. Yes, maybe I should put news in quotes there. But some of the opinion pieces, like Tucker Carlson and and that kind of person who talks about the news and sort of discusses it rather than reports it. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and I, I'm not saying it's specifically just him or just his network or whatever, but right. I'm saying it's a, it's a common thing to say, like, well, if this is true, then couldn't it also be true mm -hmm. that this is happening? Or isn't it also possible, you know, like Joe Rogan is very famous for, <laughs> for saying it's entirely possible because, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just one of his things, you know, logically, if this is true, this thing could also be true. And I can see yeah. how that just including that little bit, like, isn't it? possible this was also going on it might introduce that as a a thing that you begin to believe or recall falsely and it reminds me of one of my favorite questions do you still beat your wife well you can't win <laughs> yeah. no no oh so you used to beat your wife yes yeah. oh well you still beat your wife so you get the answer you want one way or the other but yeah anyway another potential mechanism is confabulation Confabulation is another potential mechanism underlying false memories and the Mandela effect. Confabulations are false memories or retelling of events that lack relevant evidence or factual support. Although confabulations are technically false statements, the speaker will regard these statements as fact. 
According to Lisa Bordelotti, a philosophy professor from the University of Birmingham in the United Kingdom, people do not intentionally confabulate. In a 2017 article on confabulation, Professor Bordelotti stated that most people are unaware of the information that would make their explanations accurate and are not able to provide better explanations. Confabulation is a common symptom of neurological conditions that affect memory, such as Alzheimer's disease and other forms of dementia. When a person with dementia confabulates, they are not lying or attempting to deceive. They simply do not have the necessary information or awareness to recall a specific memory or event accurately. And convincing people that their memory is inaccurate has to be a difficult task. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very hard. It's it's the thing that leads me to record a lot of conversations that mm-hmm. I have with like workmen and stuff like that. You know, I've had, you know, people coming in the house to paint or fix flooring or something like that. And sometimes they'll tell me something like, oh, yeah, we can do this. Mm-hmm. And then when the guys come back, they're like, oh, well, so and so didn't tell us to do that. Right. And it's not supposed to be part of our thing. And I, you know, it's this argument of like. Yeah, you, we, we talked about this. You're supposed to be doing that. Right. <laughs> you know, or like, uh, yeah, or, or even anything that you get in a phone call. It's why I always prefer chats, like online chats with customer support, because I always mm-hmm. save the chat history. So if they mm-hmm. tell me like, yes, we can do this for you, then somebody goes, oh, no, they never did that. I don't have to rely on a memory or try to convince somebody, even mm-hmm. if it was that person that I was talking to. I don't have to try to convince you of what you said. Mm-hmm. And I'm always willing to accept that I, I forgot something I did or I don't understand something that just happened or made a noise or, or said the wrong word. Mm-hmm. So, And I think that it's something that happens to everybody at a certain time. I mean, not necessarily when they, you know, are advanced in age and are at the, mm-hmm. you know, prime age for dementia. But I think it happens with a lot of people often it's just usually inconsequential events like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. did you did you put the baking powder in the uh you know in the mixing bowl of course yeah the baking powder is out right there there's a spoon right there yeah i did it and then you you know take the product out and it's you know still jelloy mush when you take it mm-hmm. out of the oven and it's like eh, you sure you put the baking powder in <laughs> yes, I remember putting the baking powder in. Well, somehow it got fucked up and it doesn't have baking powder in it. So somebody must have gone in and stole it out of the mix. Mm-hmm. And that's a good point you make because I'm probably skipping way ahead. But there are people who theorize that these things that they remember have been somehow removed mm-hmm. from movies or books or history. So what's priming? In psychology, priming describes a phenomenon in which exposure to a stimulus directly influences a person's response to subsequent stimulus. For example, if a person reads or hears the word grass, they will recognize another related word such as tree or lawnmower more quickly than an unrelated word. Priming is also known as suggestibility. It can influence a person's reactions and memory. For instance, the phrase, did you grab the red ball from the shelf is much more suggestive than the phrase, did you take anything from the shelf? This is because the second phrase contains a general open-ended question while the first describes the action of grabbing a specific object, the red ball. Therefore, the first phrase has a stronger influence on memory than the second phrase. And I think that's pretty common. 
Mm -hmm. This is a really important aspect to any kind of market research mm -hmm. or data gathering for any kind of analysis because you always want to avoid suggestions of any type. Right. If you're asking any kind of open-ended question, really any question at all, mm -hmm. um, for the purposes of kind of analyzing brand recognition or anything like that. Because I used to conduct these surveys. Mm -hmm. You actually have to be licensed to be hmm. somebody who conducts focus groups and things like that. There's a certain process you have to go through. And I did that and I had a license to do that kind of thing. And Unless you're on Impractical Jokers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that the people who are at the store who are like, hey, who do you have for cable service? Can I ask you some questions? Yeah. I don't think they're really looking for impartial data. Right. But if you're going to one of these places where they're like, hey, we'll pay you 200 bucks to answer questions for an hour or two. Mm hmm that's they're they are very aware of this right and they want to avoid accidentally getting a bunch of false information by asking you the wrong question right it's just a waste of money if you don't right yeah if you get a bunch of false positives that oh yeah this ad this ad campaign worked because when we asked do you remember this coca-cola commercial everybody said yeah i remember the coca-cola commercial mm -hmm. all right so the next one is fun alternate realities or parallel universes Broom describes the Mandela effect as a clear memory of an event that never occurred in this reality. Her explanation ties into several popular theories that suggest that the Mandela effect occurs when our reality interacts with other alternate realities or parallel universes. The concept of alternate realities originates from quantum physics and string theory. This theoretical framework explains the universe and the very nature of reality in terms of tiny strings that vibrate in 10 dimensions. Based on string theory, one can assert that our universe is only one of many, potentially infinite, other universes. This is known as the multiverse. Although mathematical foundation of string theory works, the theory itself remains unproven and highly controversial. Who was Alexander Hamilton? Most Americans learned in school that he was a founding father of the United States of America, but that he was not a president. However, when asked about the presidents of the United States, not the band, many people mistakenly believe that Hamilton was a president. Why? If we consider a simple neuroscience explanation, the memory of Alexander Hamilton is encoded in an area of the brain where the memories of the presidents of the United States are stored. The means by which memory traces are stored is called the engram, and the framework in which similar memories are associated with each other is called the schema. So, when people try to recall Hamilton, this sets off the neurons in close connection to each other, bringing with it the memory of the presidents. Though this is an oversimplified explanation, it illustrates the general process. When memories are recalled rather than remembered perfectly, they are influenced to the point that they can eventually become incorrect. In this way, memory is unreliable and not infallible. Yeah. Uh, an example that I thought of right away was uh, really similar, actually, was Ben Franklin. Because mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Some people think that, or a large number of people think that he was a president. Mm -hmm. You know, extremely important, and he was an ambassador, but he was not a president. Right. And there, there are tons of examples and there are some that really shocked me too, like the the fifth member of the village people. I know that I didn't so realize the village there. people. I'm not that no, but it's a, it's a good example. It's the one where it was like I have no memory of that at all. Mm -hmm. 
And I think as a memory thing, that can be explained by, you know, the the most popular song they had being YMCA, which mm-hmm. was four letters. So there were four people making that symbol. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that you would might remember the four that were making the symbol when they were performing or whatever. Right. You may think that you don't recognize the military guy because he was in camouflage, but I looked at a lot of pictures and a lot of them, he's dressed up as a seaman, a Navy mm. guy. Yeah. So, but anyway. Well, I, I also think that there's a lot of people that believe in this multiverse theory. Mm-hmm. Because I've seen stuff about this before. I've read stories or things where where the people themselves were posting this on Reddit, talking about the Mandela effect and talking about things that they remember, like super clearly. I remember having the, you know, this this movie on tape when I was a kid and that movie doesn't really exist. It's this other thing that I thought it was. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I remember having the record for, you know, this Queen album and We Are the Champions doesn't end the way I remember it ending anymore. Right. And the one that really got me was there was a guy who was explaining that his grandmother towards the end of her life was very ill and couldn't live alone. Mm -hmm. And they had her come live at their house. And one of the things that they had to do was put in one of these chairlift systems right? where they have the railings that go like this track that goes along the wall and you sit in the chair and it takes you up the stairs. Mm -hmm. And after she passed, the chair was gone, but the tracks were still there for a long time. And he would, you know, they would every once in a while talk like we should get rid of those. But the one day he came home from school, he was saying that he was like a high school student at this time. Mm-hmm. And he said the tracks were gone and he mentioned it at dinner. He was like, hey, why didn't you guys tell me you're doing that? I would have helped. Like, you shouldn't have done that while I was away. I, you know, mm-hmm. I could have helped you out. And they're like, what are you talking about? And he said he didn't like push it too much because he was like confused as to why they were confused. Mm hmm. But what he came to realize was that according to his family, his grandmother had never lived with them. Wow. She had gone to live in a skilled nursing facility and he was like, no, that's BS. And he said he like went to the stairs and was looking because there were screw holes and stuff. And he was looking for like, you know, he's like, I'm sure I'm going to see spackle and where it was obviously touched up and there was nothing. He said it was, it, it really looked like there was never anything there. And he says it's the only difference he can find, but he's fairly convinced that, you know, the multiverse ideas that the multi, like the universe is right around you are probably really similar. They diverge mm-hmm. by like one or two decisions or little factors. Right. Um, you know, I was telling my fiance that it could be as simple as in the other multiverse, like in the other universe, a neighboring one, like the mm-hmm. blanket you crocheted for my mom for Christmas. The pattern was different. Right. Or, or whatever, you know, some configuration of it was that could be all it is. Mm-hmm. And so this guy, the only difference is his grandma went to a skilled nursing facility instead of their house. But that's a huge difference. That would it's freak huge me difference. out. Yeah. So and I've, I've read other stories like that where people have they think they've like switched in and out mm-hmm. of these other dimensions. It's like suddenly my girlfriend doesn't remember this thing that we did or my dad. Like there's something different about his car. Like he had just. Sure changed his tires or something and now the old ones are back on it and i don't understand why yeah that's it's like well who was that old lady that came and tucked me in every night (laughs) (laughs) grandma wasn't here yeah (sighs) but yeah the multiverse is is really a cool theory and it's something that we have no proof that it doesn't exist so right and it's kind of a 
the the perspective that we're taking here is that it's if our understanding of the universe is correct it's mathematically likely mm-hmm. or i guess at least mathematically possible yeah i think possible it probably exists. sounds better but it it's something that is hard to conceive and a lot of people not our listeners of course but a, a lot of people have this idea that if they can't understand it it can't happen which mm-hmm. you know is a shame because that causes a lot of people to have closed minds about a lot of other stuff there's so much weird stuff in the world i just i don't question anything being a possibility anymore right because you never know you just you never know you don't i mean like shooting stars were thought to be impossible at one point mm-hmm. you know it was if you saw that you were a lunatic you were so you it was like saying i saw a ufo last night today mm-hmm. you know it was a phenomena that was a witness but it was witnessed infrequently mm-hmm. yeah until it was seen and studied extensively it was just not real in the eyes of science mm-hmm. so memory related concepts this leads to the likelihood that problems with memory and not alternate universes are the explanation for the mandela effect In fact, there are a number of subtopics related to memory that may play a role in this phenomenon. Misleading post-event information, or information that you learn after an event, can change your memory of an event. This includes even subtle information and helps explain why eyewitness testimony can be unreliable. In essence, memories are vulnerable bits of information stored in the brain that can be changed over time. While we assume that our memories are accurate, that is not necessarily always the case. And that kind of takes us back to courts. Um, Mm -hmm. If the prosecution has a witness on the stand, they are going to tell you that, well, this person saw it. They saw it happen, so it has to be real. But if another witness gets on the stand and says no, then the prosecutor will turn and say, well, eyewitness testimony is one of the least reliable sources of information. So they have Mm -hmm. it both ways, but that's my two cents on the misleading post-event information. All right. Features of the Mandela effect can include having distorted memories in which some aspects are partially or entirely inaccurate, clearly remembering the entire event that did not happen, several unrelated people sharing similar, distorted, or inaccurate memories, The Mandela effect occurs when a person believes that their distorted memories are, in fact, accurate recollections. They can clearly remember events that happened differently or events that never occurred at all. The bottom line is that the Mandela effect does not involve lying or deception. Instead, it occurs when a person or group of people have clear but false memories. And there is no easy method for identifying these false memories. It mm-hmm. can help to share questionable memories with people who may also have witnessed the event or who can clarify and verify details of the event. People who want to validate their memories of famous events, such as the death of a prominent figure, can check news archives as well. Assuming that you trust the news source. <laughs> I mean, it can be changed. That's one of the theories that there's a conspiracy to remove certain things or insert details even into old media and archives. Well, and people take Wikipedia as gospel. And mm. I was recently on Wikipedia to 
you know, research a case and there's, you know, a page long, all these articles of, you know, this is what happened. This is why they did it. This is, you know, their family. This is where they grew up. And every single one of them says citation needed. So it's like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. people read that and they're like, oh, this is fact. And it's like anybody could write in and say that. And it just appears. And then all of a sudden it's fact. Some people believe that the Mandela effect is proof of alternate realities, while others blame it on the fallibility of human memory. This is similar to the Oscar Mayer issue and hints at perhaps an underlying cognitive reason for the Mandela effect instead of parallel realities, as some people believe. Tell us about the Internet's impact. The role of the Internet in influencing the memories of the masses should not be underestimated. It's probably no coincidence that consideration of the Mandela effect has grown in this digital age. The internet is a powerful way to spread information, and with this spreading of information comes the potential for misconceptions and falsehoods to gain traction. People then begin to create communities based around these falsehoods, and what was once in the imagination starts to seem factual. In fact, in a large study of over 100,000 news stories discussed across Twitter, conducted over a period of 10 years, showed that hoaxes and rumors won out over truth every time by about 70%. This wasn't the result of manipulation or bots either. Real verified accounts of real people were responsible for spreading false information at a much higher rate than the truth. This notion of the speed with which false information spreads on the internet could help to explain the Mandela effect. As each person chimes in with their own experience or memory of an event, those false memories could affect the memories of other people, thus coloring them to remember the events in the same way. So this is kind of like what we were talking about before with the suggestibility thing, where Hmm. you say, did you take the red ball off the shelf? Not did you take something off the shelf? Mm -hmm. This is, do you remember anything being different about this movie? Mm -hmm. But more likely people are going to say, don't you remember that Vader said Luke? I am your father. Mm-hmm. It's it suggests that to you, and you start to think about it. And go, yeah, I think he, I think he did say that. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times, as far as the examples we'll get into, as far as quotes go, I think mm-hmm. that the quotes that are misremembered, that are part of the Mandela effect, are also better than the quotes that were in the movies. So. When you hear something that sounds better, you're going to be naturally gravitating towards that, I think. Like, oh, this, you know, it was a fantastic movie. And, of course, they would have the better quote than, you know, the ones we'll get into, the real ones. Mm-hmm. So, Sinbad's Shazam is one of the most popular examples of the Mandela effect. It has got many people debating the existence of a movie that other claims, even the actor himself, never existed. There have been many explanations to why people seem to remember the American stand-up comedian starring as a genie in the 1990s film going by the name Shazam. In 2012, just a little while after the Mandela effect emerged, a Reddit post popped up asking about a genie movie starring the American stand-up comedian Sinbad. Many people claim to remember the movie and remember either renting the movie from Blockbuster or constantly watching the movie being a childhood memory for many. However, people were shocked to realize that the movie, soon named Shazam by ones with the memory, never existed. There were no records of Sinbad ever starring as a genie or a movie ever being released by the name of Shazam, at that time at least. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This has caused much conspiracy in many families and friends who vividly remember watching the movie. Many people who remember the movie have asked Sinbad about it. However, he claimed that he never made such a movie or starred as a genie. 
One thing we can challenge in that is that Sinbad is described as a comedian. <laughs> like like David Spade or <laughs> right. or let's burn some bridges here. I I don't like um oh my god, what is it? Adam Sandler. Oh gosh, no. Happy Gilmore was funny, but that's about it. What happened in Sinbad's version of Shazam? While the story of Shazam is not entirely clear and the lines are very blurred for some, many have claimed the following scenes take place. A little girl wishes for Shazam to fix her broken doll. The children meet Shazam in the attic by fighting over the genie lamp and summoning him. They first believe he's a kidnapper and run away. A pool party takes place and where the boss of the father gets humiliated. The children wish for their father to find love after their mother's death. So those are all false memories that people have of this particular Mandela Effect movie. Mm -hmm. What did Shazam look like? All right. So Shazam is said to have been wearing a golden turban, an earring, purple vest, purple puffy pants, and golden pointed shoes. However, there have been other claims that Shazam was wearing a fez or a shrine mason hat. The front cover of the VHS tape is said to have had Sinbad with his face turned slightly to the side and with his back to a young boy. Shazam has a tornado below him. At the top of the cover, Sinbad is in large red writing. And I've actually found pictures of this too. Where I... I, I think it was mock-ups that people made. Like, do you remember right. this movie? It didn't exist. Yeah. Possible explanations. Could this be a mistake? The following are explanations that could have possibly been the answer to this Mandela effect. Most of these explanations consist of false memory claims. A movie named Kazam was released in 1996, starring Shaquille O'Neal as a genie. Many believe that people are confusing this movie with the one they claimed starred Sinbad and was called Shazam. However, many claim that they remember watching both movies and preferring Shazam as Kazam was poorly written in comparison and was known for being a Shazam ripoff. I can't believe that if Shazam existed that it was a well-written movie, but anyway. <laughs> I mean, did you see Kazam? No. I wouldn't did. waste my time. <laughs> Sinbad came forward stating that he starred in a skit where he was dressed as a genie and claimed this must be the explanation. However, many people still claim that Sinbad starred in a feature-length movie as a genie. In the comedy cartoon American Dad, Sinbad voiced a genie-like character, which many claim could be an explanation. Yeah, I don't know about that. American Dad's a little recent for people to confabulate that as a movie they saw as a kid back in like 94 or whatever this was. Yeah. Um, I have memories of it too. Very vaguely. I feel like I remember watching it at my buddy Nathan's house when we were little. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, not like real little, not like so little that we don't know what's going on. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? But like young enough where that was still a thing that we did. It's like, Hey, let's go to so-and-so's house and watch a VHS tape instead of, yeah doing something more interesting <laughs> right i mean it's young enough to still be impressionable so mm -hmm. but i'm also totally willing to accept that i'm probably misremembering it mm -hmm. as like kazam that i probably saw kazam and maybe just tried to block it out you know some kind of like mm -hmm. 
PTSD thing where my body, like my brain and body are trying to cope with what I just saw. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I don't know, because I'm trying to think of like another movie from the same time. And what I'm thinking of is, uh, what was it steel where again, I think it was Shaq. Yeah. Played. I, I don't remember if he was supposed to be the same character, but it's John Henry irons in the comics is steel. Mm hmm who, you know, kind of is a counterpart to Superman, but he's a human who uses technology to be similarly powerful. Mm -hmm. And this movie was basically supposed to be that. And if somebody came and told me like, oh, that movie never existed, mm -hmm. or that was a Wesley Snipes movie right. or whatever, it would like freak me out. So right. if I clearly had the Sinbad, the memory, like, and I remembered it more clearly, I can see how that would be very upsetting. Disheartening. Yeah, it would like really be like what either something's wrong with me or something's wrong with the world. <laughs> yeah, another claim is that all Shazam copies were destroyed after a legal dispute with the writers of Kazam or DC Comics since they have a character named Shazam. Uh, or that Sinbad was simply embarrassed by the movie and refuses to acknowledge it exists. Well, I don't know. I mean, in my mind, there's very little, if any, chance that all copies could have been found, collected, and destroyed. Somebody would have it out there if it existed. I could see that there were possibly legal disputes and, you know, maybe DC Comics or whoever said, you know, you can't release this movie anymore. Um, you can't sell it. You can't put it on TV. Winning a lawsuit like that. But those facts would be easily tracked down everything in court is recorded so you could find co court proceedings based on this and to my knowledge no one has ever produced anything like that and if you've seen sinbad i mean come on you think this dude's gonna get embarrassed by a bad movie mm -hmm. yeah so while you were talking about that i actually wondered if i was having my own mandela effect thing mm -hmm. happening because shazam the character from you know whatever the Zach Levy movie or whatever, whenever that came out, mm -hmm. like that character was not named Shazam. Hmm. That character has been around since 1939 and was more popular than Superman before Superman was what so he like is Mr. Now. Wonder or something like that. It or? was Captain Marvel. Oh, he was okay. called Captain Marvel, like before Marvel comics existed. Mm -hmm. So my thought was they probably just called it Shazam to mm -hmm. not get confused with the Captain Marvel movie that was coming out on the Marvel side. Yeah. Well, because Shazam is what the little boy said to turn into the Captain yeah. Marvel. Okay. Right, right. Exactly. That was that was always the magic word he was supposed to say. And mm -hmm. then I, I and I have vivid memories of reading comic books and seeing him say Shazam. Like it's part of uh Kim and I were just talking about graphic novels and stuff, and I was like, here are novels that some of these movies are based on. Mm -hmm. And like, here are some things that were changed because they make like cartoon adaptations and the new Robert Pattinson Batman. Mm -hmm. People are speculating that it might be based on the long Halloween. So I was showing her some of these books and I remember pulling out Kingdom Come in mm -hmm. which Superman fights Captain Marvel. And I remember very vividly him yelling Shazam. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I just had this moment. Am I misremembering this? Has he always been called Shazam <laughs> or was it changed yeah. like a lot longer ago? But according to a quick Google search, like now they started referring to him as just Shazam, Shazam in 2012. Mm -hmm. Because it was a pretty recent thing, I guess, to just not have people confused. 
Yeah, in my experience, uh, Shazam is not a great thing to yell in the bedroom. <laughs> yeah. So Sinbad it depends also... On, maybe if both of you yell it at the same time. Yeah. Okay. So, Shazam. Shazam. All right. Sinbad also dressed up like a genie for an event that he hosted in the 1990s. Yeah, I feel like more often than not, Sinbad was dressed up as a pirate or a genie. Yeah, I remember and I saw a video of him when I was searching for this of him dressed up like a pirate, but he had like mm-hmm. a turban on and all this stuff. And it's right. it, like a turban, a vest, a puffy shirt. It's It totally looks like what I thought the front of the tape box looked like. Mm-hmm. So it's like, maybe this is what I'm thinking of. When one person mentioned this movie Shazam, likely on the internet, it altered the memories of other people who tried to recall movies that Sinbad made from the 1990s. This is a lot being put into a Sinbad movie. We're probably better mm-hmm. off that it never existed. Um, <laughs> I mean, just honestly. Man. Saved you an hour just... and a half of your life. <laughs> I just had to watch The Eternals. I wish I could yeah. have been saved from that. It's a movie that's actually has a lot of really good concepts and I think has a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. But it's an action superhero movie directed, I didn't realize until after, directed by the same person who directed Nomadland, which is a really, really long, well-shot, slow documentary, like documentary-style movie Mm -hmm. about nothing. About just nothing. If I only had two and a half hours to live, I would watch The Eternals because it would feel like forever. When one person mentioned this movie, Shazam, likely on the internet, it altered the memories of other people who tried to recall the movies that Sinbad made from the 1990s. Online communities spread this information until it appeared to be factual. This explanation is supported by evidence that remembering something repeatedly builds your confidence in the memory, even if it grows more inaccurate over time. As more and more people provided incorrect details, these become incorporated into other people's memories as facts and strengthen their conviction that they were correct. I mean, definitely, you know, if you're reminiscing about something that, uh, you know, happened when you were, you know, at your prom or, you know, at a party in college or at a, you know, musical event concert or whatever, and your buddies are all like, oh, yeah, you remember when that, you know, one person did this and then the other guy's like, yeah, and he totally did this and you're trying to remember and you might be like, huh, well, they both said it happened, so it must be true, so... You know, you start to actually envision things in your mind. And once you try to paint a portrait in your head, if you will, then I think these memories become very powerful. If you see Mm -hmm. something happening in your head, I don't know how you remember things, but when I'm trying to remember something, I take a picture of it, you know, in my brain as best I can. And that's how I try to remember it. I would think that would work just as easily with false memories. If you, if you're trying to picture, you know, your buddy, you know, jumping off a cliff into the river on a float trip and it never happened, but the more you try and visualize it and picture it, the more uh, hardcore your belief is going to be, I think. So in summary, the Mandela effect is a phenomenon in which a person or group of people have false or distorted memories. Some believe that the Mandela effect is proof of alternate realities, while others blame it on the fallibility of human memory. There is perhaps an underlying cognitive reason for the Mandela effect instead of parallel realities, as some people believe. 
When we come back, we'll share examples of the Mandela effect so you can see if you are a victim of this phenomenon. Hey, my name is Ryan. And I'm pretty sure I'm Joe. And we are the hosts of Movie Hell, a podcast all about movies and pop culture. We're two buddies who talk about this stuff anyway and wanted to share our own madness with all of you. Yeah, we have these discussions anyway and rant and rave about movies, TV, and pop culture in general, so why not share it? The objective of Movie Hell is to bring you reviews and discussions of flops to avoid, new stuff to see, and hidden gems that might end up being your new favorite. Whether you're looking for that perfect movie for Friday night or wondering if anybody else found Mr. Nobody as unsettling as you did, I'm sure there's something for everyone to enjoy, and if not, let us know and we can always learn and improve. Ah, boy, do we have room to improve. You can listen to Movie Howl on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and pretty much anywhere else fine podcasts are curated. Have you ever wondered what it's like to kill a man? Hey, what's up, Crypt Keepers? Are you enjoying the show? If you haven't already, I suggest taking my true crime podcast, Exploring Evil, for a test drive. Exploring Evil focuses on lesser-known serial killers, occult murders, and murders with a paranormal twist, so it should be right up your alley. The Magdalena Soli episode features a prostitute who convinced a Mexican village she was a goddess. She presented with psychosis, religious delusions, delusions of grandeur, sexual perversions, sadism, incest, fetishism, vampirism, and pedophilia. You don't want to miss that one. In the Indian Blood Farm, we cover a case where a man had an outbuilding he was keeping the downtrodden. He kept them weak by continuously draining blood to sell to the local hospitals who were running on short supply. But one man escaped and told the world what was really happening. How about the Body Snatchers episode where corpses had their body parts replaced with PVC pipes so they could be sold for a profit? In the Antron Singleton case, we cover a rapper who killed and ate pieces of a woman. There's always something new and interesting to listen to and a lot of twists and turns. So check out Exploring Evil everywhere you find Cryptique. Let's cover some examples of the Mandela effect. Many people misquote James Earl Jones' famous line from the 1980 film Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back. So what do you remember it being? I'm curious. I honestly remember I'm your father, but I don't remember him saying, Luke, I'm your father. But I also don't remember him saying, no, I'm your father. I just remember him saying, I'm your father. But I haven't, yeah. like, I watched the movie, like, twice in my life, and it was a long time ago. Okay. Yeah, the last time I watched it was a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And I do remember it correctly, at least correctly for this reality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> most people think he said, Luke, I am your father. It's a thing that I, and I think the reason for this is it's been famously quoted that way. Yeah. Over and over, and it's on like T-shirts and mugs, and it's been in other TV shows and movies. But 
my recollection of it is that Darth Vader says something along the lines of, did Obi-Wan tell you about your father? And Luke says something like, you know, he told me enough. He told me you killed him. Mm -hmm. And Vader says, no, I am your father. Mm -hmm. And the reason I I think the hook for me is the audio for it, because he says, I am your father. He has this like he puts the stank on am. (laughs) So. That might be why I remember it that way, but I know a lot of people remember Luke, I am your father. I even asked him before I came into this, like, what do you what do you remember? Mm-hmm. And she was like, Luke, I am your father. I was like, yep, nope, wrong. Interesting. So that's one of the most famous ones, I think, because obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, let's just face it, you've seen The Empire Strikes Back. So yeah. Uh, what about Forrest Gump? Life is like a box of chocolates. Another common misquotation comes from the classic 1994 film Forrest Gump, in which the title character shares a quote he picked up from his mother. In the scene, Forrest Gump, of course played by Tom Hanks, actually says, My mother always said life was like a box of chocolates. So, I've never watched it. Really? Really. I've watched it. I watched it not all that long ago because we did it for an episode of Movie Howl. Mm -hmm. So, I did have this. I knew it wasn't just... As simple as life is like a box of chocolates, but I didn't remember this line specifically, but I don't, I don't feel like this is one that would bother me as much. No. And I think that in the movie, you know, obviously everyone knows about it. They know the character and probably have seen bits and pieces. I have in the movie Forrest Gump is not the brightest and, and I don't know if he's supposed to be playing someone who actually has special needs or if he's somebody who's just a simple guy. His IQ is in like the seventies or something. Okay. Well, having special needs really has nothing to do with IQ. There's a lot of people with autism that have extremely high IQs. Yeah. They don't in the movie, at least they don't mention him having any kind of like specific disabilities just mm-hmm. that he tested low on an iq score and iq is supposed to be a moving average yeah where the average person would score 100 yeah and it's also takes place in a time you know it's not 2020 if it took place in 2020 it would be a different movie but it took place yeah a long time ago and when something takes place in history if you want to be historically accurate then he was just a slow guy right yeah he was like a Twitter user. So it would make sense that he would say, my mother has a great quote. Not me so much, but my mother. So at yeah. least he gave credit to his mom. And that's not very quotable the way it was actually said. Mm-hmm. So this is one of mine. In Casablanca, another Hollywood classic, people remember Humphrey Bogart's character Rick saying, play it again, Sam. Some people say that they can even hear his voice saying those words, and I definitely can as well. Me too. However, it is Ingrid Bergman's character, Elsa, who says, play it, Sam. I think one of the things with this is there are a lot of other people that have quoted this. um, And spoofed it and reimaginings of this concept. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, and it's always play it again, Sam. I mean, they play it at the beginning of, you know, modern music just as like a quote to put at the beginning of it. So... I I think that definitely for me, I have heard it a lot more as Play It Again, Sam. And I don't really ever Mm -hmm. remember hearing Play It, Sam. Yeah. Do you remember the characters of the Looney Tunes series by Warner Brothers? Bugs Bunny, Porky Pig, Tweety, Sylvester, and Daffy Duck? Well, if you do, 
then you're mistaken about the spelling because that TV show was not called Looney Tunes like cartoon, but rather Looney Tunes, like the way you would spell tunes for music or iTunes. This is a very common mistake and can be due to the association of the word cartoons and tunes, as well as the double O in the word loony. And I definitely, when first finding this one, remembered it being T-O-O-N-S. Mm -hmm. So my take on it is that the reason it's spelled tunes, T-U-N-E-S, is because a lot of the programming was in the form of a musical. It was people singing and you know, doing silly stuff and stuff like that. But either one really makes sense. And it's not something I ever paid attention to, honestly. How about the evil queen from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Not dwarves, dwarfs. The phrase mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all, is probably the first that comes to mind if you've watched Disney's animated Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It's a phrase which the evil queen asked and repeated like a mantra at the beginning of the story. But believe it or not, the actual wording is not mirror, mirror on the wall, but rather magic mirror on the wall. And that one, I think, too, has just been so misquoted for so long that people just remember it as mirror, mirror on the wall. Yeah, I've seen a video about this one kind of explaining it and the original wording. So the, this movie came out in 1937. Mm -hmm. And the original wording from the storybook it's based off of says mirror, mirror on the wall. Oh. And they change it to magic mirror on the wall for the movie. Hmm. And then it's just been quoted that way. And the idea is that it was probably quoting from the book, mm -hmm. but it's perpetuated because this video, they just played clip after like tons and tons of clips of people quoting that in movies and TV shows from the last, you know, 60, 70 years. Mm -hmm. where they're saying that and they were saying there is actually another one like another cartoon movie from the same time period that used the magic mirror phrase mm -hmm. but it was different and it says uh I, I don't know what it was from i don't remember exactly but it looked like um oh my god what was her name olive oil popeye's girlfriend yeah. mm -hmm. and and she's saying something like magic mirror in my hand who's the fairest in the land mm -hmm. which is like just another way of making that rhyme and yeah. being a little bit probably avoiding like copyright back then right yeah uh but yeah i think that's i think there's a, that's a pretty straightforward explanation for that one yeah yeah i think we don't even really need to go into that anymore it's it, it, there's a very good reason why people remember it as mirror mirror on the wall so that kind of mm -hmm. solves that one what do we have next next we have the berenstein bears so do you recall watching the Berenstain Bears cartoons or reading the book when you were young? Well, it may come as a surprise to many of you, but the name of the bears in the series is actually spelled Berenstain, A-I-N, rather than Berenstain with an E, as many remember. Now, this is one that I've seen cited all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I thought I came from a universe that maybe didn't have this until I realized <laughs> the cartoon was from 2003. So it's yeah. like way too late for me to be watching something like that. Sure. But I think this is another case of simple confabulation, mm -hmm. I think would be the right way to characterize it, because I watched some of the clips from this show where they're pronouncing it themselves. And the mm -hmm. clips clearly say, you know, or, or clearly show the title Berenstain with an A. 
Right. But when they're singing it, like we're the Berenstein Bears, it sounds like Berenstein mm-hmm. or Bernstein. Like it's very kind of unclear because right. it's being sung quickly. It's in a song, you know, back in 2003, you might be watching this through a bad cable connection or an antenna signal on yeah. like a tube TV that has one little mono speaker in the bottom corner. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just a matter of mishearing. Well, I also think that while Berenstein isn't a common name, I've never met anyone named Berenstein, but I think Steen in general in the English language is way more common than stain. Like I've seen lots of, you know, whatever name that ends with Steen or Stein, but I've never seen a name that ends in stain. And I think that might be a reason people are just like, oh, it's got to be Berenstein. You know, mm. that's that's just my take on it is that, you know, it would be a lot more common to have a name that ends in Steen than Stain. But mm. who knows? So when asked to describe the funny and smart droid from the saga called C-3PO, you will probably say an all gold protocol droid. But the fact is, in all three episodes of the original trilogy directed by George Lucas, the charismatic robot has had a silver-colored right leg from the knee down. But yes, the truth is that his leg underneath the right knee is silver in color and has always been silver throughout the original trilogy. Due to the mirror effect which the silver part of the leg had on camera, the producers of the new series decided to fit C-3PO with an all-gold body instead and to add a red arm in The Force Awakens. So, yeah... The silver leg, a lot of people don't remember. And I actually didn't realize it either until I saw a newer version of the film. Mm -hmm. There's a version called um, the Despecialized Edition, Mm -hmm. which is like a community project where they cobble together bits of footage and color and captions and timing and things like that from different versions since Lucas has like drastically altered the movie over the years and you can't Mm. actually get the original theatrical release anymore. Hmm. The closest you could get is like a, a laser disc or you can get, you can get it on film, like an actual 16 millimeter film reel, Mm -hmm. but it's really, really expensive. So these guys have put like thousands of hours into making this. And I watched one of them and you can see in like Blu-ray quality that he has a silver leg, but it's not obvious. Mm Mm-hmm. In a lot of the shots, you only see him from, you know, maybe the hips up. Yeah. Or he's dirty or the silver is mirroring the gold that's on the other side. Right. And I actually saw an interview with the guy who played Mm C-3PO. And they asked him about this. They were like, you know, what's up with the silver leg thing? And he was saying, you know, he's always had the silver leg. That was always part of the costume. And he said that the stills photographer that was working on the movie with them even asked him about it one day, like came up to him and said, so why do you have a silver leg today? What's going on with that? Mm -hmm. So he's like this guy whose job was to take pictures of all of us. Didn't even notice it. Yeah. And I think it's inconsequential, right? It is. Yeah. It's not a super important thing. It's probably something that people notice because they saw it in higher quality. Mm -hmm. I'm sure like, I'm sure that's not something that was altered. You know, the, the alterations that Lucas made were like, having it so Han doesn't shoot first Mm -hmm. or adding these like CG creatures into certain scenes that weren't there originally. 
-hmm. or changing Java's design to be more CG dependent, like stuff like that, kind of removing some of the old practical effects. But yeah, the leg isn't something that would have been changed. So it's probably that the last time you saw it was on a VHS tape that had been watched 10,000 times and was rented from Blockbuster Mm -hmm. on an old Panasonic VCR and a RCA TV. And now Mm -hmm. you're probably watching it on your 70 inch TV on a 4k Blu-ray. Yeah. And you can actually see the details, which were either, you know, subtle or just kind of wiped out Mm -hmm. by the poor quality of the media we used to use. Yeah. So who remembers Tom Cruise dancing pantless and risky business? I do. (laughs) Probably a lot of people. So the fun dance from the movie Risky Business is among the most recognizable in the history of cinema. The scene depicts young Tom Cruise dancing in his underwear and a dress shirt with no pants on and white socks wearing Ray-Ban sunglasses. We all remember how popular Ray-Ban sunglasses were back then and have made a comeback today. You can see them everywhere or, or, you know, knockoffs for sure. Yeah. This is a look that has been copied by numerous celebrities and ordinary folks and is among the most popular Halloween and other costume party looks. If you remember the scene exactly as described, then you could be a victim of one of the most common Mandela effects. The truth is that Tom Cruise is dancing in this cult scene without pants, but he is without his Ray-Ban sunglasses on. The mistake is most probably due to the famous poster for the movie where Cruise is wearing the iconic Ray-Bans. And you had an experience with this. Tell us about it. I just, I remember him wearing the sunglasses. I remember the scene exactly the way you described it. I can even remember seeing, I think like a pizza commercial Mm -hmm. where somebody's dancing around like that with the sunglasses and everything. And the pizza guy shows up and he's like, oh, you having kind of a guy's night to yourself. And he's like, yep. And goes back to dancing. Hmm. And I could swear that it was exactly as you described it. Well, and I think that probably in most of the spoofs or remakes for commercials or anything like that, they just add the sunglasses because they know that's part of the look. I don't think that they're trying to perfectly mimic that scene. Yeah. I think they're, it's like, this is kind of what happened. And I mean, I don't see anything, you know, nefarious about that or anything. I, I think this is kind of a, I don't know, one that would be common and one that would be easy to dismiss as like, oh, well, that makes sense. I, you know, I just assumed he was wearing the Ray-Ban sunglasses because he's got them on in the movie poster and in a lot mm-hmm. of the scenes. So it's not one that I would, you know, be concerned that I was losing my mind over, put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Hopkins playing the role of the genius evil cannibal called Hannibal Lecter in the Silence of the Lambs movie is among the most memorable roles by any actor ever in the history of cinema. Do you remember him turning to the young FBI agent named Clarice, played brilliantly by Jodie Foster with the creepy words, Hello, Clarice? The no, reality no, no, is no, that... no, no, no. You got to do the voice. You can't <laughs> you just like say, do the Hello, voice? Why don't Clarice. You, why don't you sure. do the voice and you can dub it in? Hello, Clarice. (laughs) The reality is that Hannibal Lecter actually says good morning instead of hello, Clarice, in this iconic scene where the two meet. He does it in this terrifyingly melodic voice, which sounds the same every time he says the name Clarice throughout the film, which is probably the reason why many people remember the phrase wrong. 
And I remember it wrong too. Me too. But I, I, in this isn't covered in this, you know, short explanation that we have, but in movies, a lot of times they, when they put a sizzle reel together, which is kind of like a, a trailer or a preview, but it's designed to, you know, hit hard. They use, they don't necessarily use scenes that are all from that movie. They don't just go into the movie and cut things out to make the sizzle reel. They'll add things. They may reshoot things to spice it up a little bit. You know, just just little things like there may be different music playing during a scene. There may be, you know, maybe different sound effects added and stuff like that. And I don't know if it's really a factor in this misremembered Mandela effect, but sometimes in movies they do cut things differently and they may reshoot something. So in some of the movies that you may misremember scenes from, you may have seen it like in a sizzle reel or a trailer or something like that. It actually occurs. It's just not in the actual cinematic feature itself. Yeah, that's a good point. You've got some splaining to do. Undoubtedly one of the most loved comedy shows in the history of TV in the USA, I Love Lucy, has made many generations laugh throughout the years. Viewers and fans of the show may remember the Ricky Ricardo catchphrase, Lucy, you have some splaining to do. The fact is the actual phrase said was either Lucy splain or Lucy splain that if you can instead. So... My mom watched I Love Lucy when I was growing up, but I never mm. really paid attention. But I have heard cuts of, the, I guess it's people, you know, doing their impression or whatever, where they say you have some splaining to do. Yeah, I, I watch this. I watched this a lot as a kid, actually. Mm -hmm. I think I remember it better than my folks do, because we were talking about it. I was like, do you remember the neighbors names? And my mom didn't remember. And it was uh, Fred and Ethel Mertz. So. But I do remember that I remember that you have some explaining to do. Like I very mm -hmm. clearly remember that in my just in my mind and my you know childhood memories of watching this show. But I remember explain like you you know you got to explain this, explain that. But I remember that line specifically being one that was used often, and just a lot of the jokes about his accent. You know his accent was, I think probably wouldn't play well today with modern sensibilities and people being very sensitive about things. Yes. But it was something that was a big part of the joke. Like I remember an episode where he's trying to say jealous and he mm -hmm. keeps saying yellows, yellows. Mm -hmm. And he's talking to somebody else who's another Spanish speaker. He's like, yellows, yellows. And the guy's like, what? I don't understand. And he like says it in Spanish. And the guy's like, oh, yellows. Like, mm -hmm. you know, gets it and says it the same way. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, I don't know why I would remember it wrong like that unless it's just one of these things where like you were saying, it's been quoted and you know kind of mimicked and whatever parodied i guess mm -hmm. yeah parody is a great word and who are we to judge somebody for mispronouncing something with our track record yeah yeah that's true tell us about the gremlin yeah remember spike from the cult horror comedy movie the gremlins if so then you are like the many other viewers out there who remember the gremlin named spike while well, he was actually named stripe instead I think that's pretty common. I mean, he had spiked hair, so I, mm -hmm. I could see, you know, if you're not paying close attention, you would just think, oh, Spike. And honestly, I mean, when I saw that movie, I was a kid. 
I don't know. I think Spike would just be an easy thing to mix up. I mean, I wouldn't die on a hill for it, but if they said, no, you're wrong, it's Stripe, my re my reaction would range from, hmm, to, oh. No, I, I'm just thinking it's, it's, again, probably one of those things of you're watching it on a TV. Mm hmm not not like a thousand dollar or a thousand watt onkyo surround sound system that has like perfectly detailed audio um and, and probably most people did I, I i don't know i don't even remember i remember the the one that you're describing i don't even remember them naming him that yeah well when i was a kid the tvs were you know whittled right out of trees so <laughs> Yeah, there were big pieces of furniture. When you got yeah. the new TV, you just piled it on top of the old one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, what about the Flintstones? Remember Yabba Dabba Doo and the funny Stone Age cartoon family, the Flintstones? Yeah. Well, you should know that the actual name of the family has another T in it, and it is the Flintstones rather than just the Flintstones. The name comes from the words Flint and Stone, so the two T's in it make sense, but most of us may remember how the name was pronounced, which is the possible reason for this common distorted memory. Yep. I don't think back to things like how was the Flintstone spelled? It just, it's not something that I would, you know, spend time thinking about. It's just, yeah, okay, I had it wrong. Big deal. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, for some people, it's, I guess, a point of contention and they remember it as Flintstones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This one's right up your alley. So the next one. Yeah, this is actually one that tells me that I'm in the right dimension mm -hmm. that I've been here all along because, well, we're going to be talking about the dramatic scene from the Lord of the Rings where it actually portrays Gandalf saying, fly, you fools, rather than run, you fools. It is believed that the author of the book Tolkien used the word fly as the synonym of flee or run away, which explains the wording. And fly is the actual wording from the books mm -hmm. and, 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 or I guess maybe I shouldn't say that I have the books. Maybe I need to look at them, but it, it definitely is what I remember from the movies. Fly. You it's fools. a scene. Yeah. Where he's fighting the uh, Balrog or whatever it's called that, that creature when they're in the abandoned dwarf city and, uh, or yeah, now I'm questioning everything, but it's, it's when he's like, I'm holding this thing off. Get out of here. Yeah. And he yells, fly, you fools. So if you're somebody who remembers run, you fools, welcome to our dimension. It's <laughs> not great. You know, 2019 through 2022 have been kind of rough, but uh, we're happy to have you. Yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> In, do you have a ballpark on when the Lord of the Rings was written? God, because slang changes, yeah. Because slang changes uh, quite a bit, and you know, like it said, do you, it might it would be a synonym for flee, but you know, back in the days when it was written, it could have been a common saying, you know, "fly you fools." Not oh, nineteen fifty four. That's later than I thought. Mm -hmm. That's another one where it's. It would make more sense to say run you fools because they can't fly but mm -hmm. you know it is what it is but it it does go along with the way gandalf talks okay that makes kind sense. of just the way he words things it, it's very you know there's a lot of sort of 
flowery language from some of the characters in that series. Which makes sense. And, you know, we talk about it being 1954. Well, when is it supposed to actually take place in time? Well, it doesn't take place on Earth. Okay. It's like in another universe where they have their own mythology and history, but it's like kind of perpetually stuck in the Middle Ages. Okay. Like King Arthur times kind of in, in terms of their technology and, and speech. Even in the scene where the fellowship is forming, where mm-hmm. they're saying, like, we have this ring, it has to be destroyed. Who's going to do it? Basically, mm-hmm. they're discussing that. And Frodo is the one, obviously, who's the ring bearer. He's like, all right, I'm going to I'm going to take it. I'm going to bear this burden because it will corrupt anybody who has it. Right. And it's kind of this thing of like, I'm a little hobbit. What can I do if I go bad? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then when everybody's saying, like, I'm in, they're not saying I'm in or you have my help or anything. They're saying, like, you have my bow. You have my axe. Like, it's a kind of more creative way of saying, like, you have my help with this. Sure. So, yeah, saying fly, you fools, is not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, obviously, things are going to be played up for dramatic effect in all movies. And who knows? I mean, maybe he threw it in there so people would be discussing it, you know, 60 years later. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. Cruella from 101 Dalmatians, another Disney movie. Remember the evil designer Cruella who was portrayed brilliantly by Glenn Close in the 1996 Disney movie trying to make coats out of the cute 101 Dalmatians? Well, you probably remember that her name is Cruella DeVille, and the last name would be spelt D-E-capital-V-I-L-L-E. Actually... The right spelling is Cruella DeVille, D-E capital V-I-L, in reference to the devil, which is a pretty good description of the high fashion designer. Again, that's not something that I would even pay attention to. So, no, I mean, I've never, I've not heard this one before or thought of it before. Right. Whether it's DeVille or, you know, doesn't have the last L and E and it's just DeVille, D-E-V-I-L. It doesn't matter because we all know that it's in reference to the devil, right? Right. It's not like it was something that really changed the perspective or anything like that. We know she's an evil bitch that wants to make coats out of dogs. So DeVille, (laughs) DeVille, whatever, it's all in reference to the devil. What about your favorite TV hit series? You want to tell us about that? (laughs) Yes, one of my favorite TV series, which ran on HBO for years and is loved by fans to this day, is often remembered and referred to under the name Sex in the City. And I've actually seen pictures of merchandise that say that, like Mm -hmm. perfume bottles and things, Sex in the City. While the real name of the TV show is actually Sex and the City. And that brings up a good point, because you know what? You may not be able to sell a perfume without copyrights that says sex and the city, but if you sell one that says sex in the city, you're still referencing the TV show and the actresses in there. It's just you don't have to pay copyright. That could be it. That's a very reasonable explanation. And when you say it fast, sex in the city, sex and the city. Not hugely different. No, I think that's pretty, pretty understandable. What about Mr. Rogers? Yeah, your favorite TV show, right? That's right. I did love Mr. Rogers when I was a kid. I remember King Friday being so fucking creepy, man. Like, 
they go to this, you know, puppet land or whatever. And it's like, all these guys are horrifying. Let's just go back to your, you know, your little office area and do some painting or something. I don't want to see these creeps. (laughs) I dressed up as King Friday for (laughs) Halloween when I was a kid. At some point, I still have the cape somewhere. I think my grandma made it for me. That'd be an awesome, scary costume. (laughs) And then they had that woman that wore all the rouge, like her face was completely red and she had the creepy voice. And anyway, Mm -hmm. but kids liked it for some reason. But you remember the catchy theme song from this children's program, right? I do. Yeah. Many recall it saying, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. But in actuality, the exact words are, it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood instead. Hmm. So I, I think that people may just, it, it may be another thing where, you know, it's, it's just semantics. They hear the instead of this. And when you're singing the song as a kid, you're probably hoping that it's your neighborhood. And, you know, you're not going to say it's a beautiful day in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, but it's fucking tough where I'm at, man. There's drug dealers everywhere. and Yeah, I'm living in Sauge. It's not beautiful here. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> We can't all change into our Converse All-Stars and have a great day. Yeah. What about Curious George? So if you have read Margaret and H.A. Ray's book series about Curious George, chances are that you may have memories of the cute monkey having a long and curved tail. But the truth is that the illustrations of Curious George didn't feature a tail at all in the books. Which technically makes Curious George an ape and not a monkey. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's probably a good explanation because... Yeah, monkeys have tails, apes don't. This is one that I didn't really read the Curious George books, so it's not one that really resonates with me. We all know about Pokemon, whether we're young or old. Everybody, you know, knows what we're talking about. But what about Pikachu? Speaking of tails and animated characters, there are many viewers who clearly recall Pokemon character Pikachu having a black zigzag pattern on his yellow tail. But if you search the internet for pictures, you will see for yourself that Pikachu has an all yellow tail and your memories are incorrect. Yep. This is one that I was susceptible to when I saw a video earlier that was kind of giving some examples of these. This is one that came up and Kim was watching it with me and we paused it and turned to each other. And it's like, yeah, I remember at least some black to it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I remember a black tip. And she said that she did, too. Yeah. And so we looked it up and no, it's yellow all the way through. There's a little bit of brown, like, or a darker yellow, at least towards the body, Mm -hmm. but it's all yellow. But an explanation for this, I think, is a character that came later called Pichu Mm -hmm. that I just like barely remembered. It was, uh, you know, there were only 150 Pokemon originally, and then they started making more. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, they're like variations of the original set. And there was one that was like less evolved or a step down from Pikachu that did have black mm-hmm. on its ears and tail and stuff like that. So I think it's one of those where they made, there was like Pichu, Pikachu and Raichu all in a row. Mm-hmm. And I think only Pikachu didn't have black on its tail. Yeah. So pretty easy. I think it's also something that, I mean, obviously he's the most famous Pokemon character. And I think that there's probably lots and lots and lots of like tribute artwork out there Mm. where people i mean he's got to be one of the most drawn characters in cartoon history really and i think that probably a lot of people 
made the mistake of putting the black on his tail and people just saw that and that's what they remembered but yeah could be so when was the last time you went to disney world do you recall where the castle's located numerous people share a memory about the castle being right by the entrance while the truth is that it is located beyond the main street in the magic kingdom true so you had where it was correctly located yep in your memories yeah but i i think that probably a lot of the people that have this memory maybe haven't been to disney world or they've been to disneyland and i don't know where the castle is located in disneyland or if there is one in disneyland i assume there is but i think people probably see the castle as an icon mm-hmm. and it just makes more sense to them because like when you when you see disneyland uh references in in art photos whatever a lot of the pictures are going to be of that castle and it just would make sense to people that like oh the castle's at the beginning because it's focused on in in so many brochures and stuff like that when in reality it's not but i yeah and it's it's part of the logo that they used to have before all their movies and all that as well yeah, I don't think this is something where, you know, you need to worry about your sanity if you remember it being at the front. So mm-hmm. Ed McMahon was the face of Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes, right? Maybe. I totally remember that. I totally remember him. I don't remember that at all. Oh, I do. I'm, I remember seeing him on Johnny Carson and being like, oh, yeah, that's the guy from Publishers Clearinghouse. Well, Many viewers, including me, swear on having a memory of watching Ed McMahon arriving as part of the prize patrol at people's doors with huge checks for winning Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes. But the Tonight Show star never took part in such events and was actually an endorser of the competitive sweepstakes organized by the American Family Publishers. So, either way, good for Publishers Clearinghouse because they got Ed McMahon as a spokesperson without ever having to pay him. Yeah. That's correct, sir. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, uh. All right. You were talking about Queen's song. Tell us about that. Yeah, I was. So with the recent success of the Queen movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, a lot of people are starting to listen to Queen again, more so than in recent years. Many of the old and some of the new fans are absolutely sure that the original song, We Are the Champions, ends with the line of the world. But in the actual album, this phrase is missing. The truth is that there are some videos from live performances by Freddie Mercury and the band where the singer does add the phrase at the end. But if you're looking for the original lyrics of the song when it was first released in the News of the World LP in 1977, then this phrase is missing from the text. And that's one of them that I remember. And I remember, Mm -hmm. like, I, I went when I saw this and listened to the very end of it, and it just ends, we are the champions. Mm -hmm. And it was very jarring. Well, I mean, it says that they said it in, you know, different live performances and stuff like that. And Queen is one of the probably at least in the top 10 of live performances. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that probably a lot of people, you know, have seen the live performances on YouTube or whatever. And I think that a lot of radio stations probably play different versions of the song that's true yeah and you can buy albums of live performances a lot of the time so that's probably where it came from all right common political and historical false collective memories 
Um, I just want to go over this one real quick because it's not something that I really ever paid attention to, but it's the number of passengers in the limousine during JFK's assassination. I think most people are focused on JFK or they're mm -hmm. focused on looking for a shooter. I don't think people mm -hmm. are counting people in the car, but. Mm -hmm. I remember a driver, a secret service agent, JFK and his wife. Cause I remember that when he gets shot, she like tries to basically jump out the back of the car mm -hmm. to get away. And the secret service guy in the front passenger seat reaches back to stop her and like tell mm -hmm. her to get down, like don't get out of the car, get down in the car. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not aware of this one. So I'm excited. Go on. <laughs> All right. Try to remember an answer off the top of your head. Like you just did. Even if you were not born when this happened, you've surely seen footage, photos, or watched documentaries and films about the tragic event. If your answer to this question is four, then you are wrong and could be affected by the Mandela effect. Many people remember that there were four people in the car, including the driver, the Secret Service officer in the front seat, and JFK and Jackie Kennedy on the back seat. Shazam. <laughs> the truth is, there were six people in the car at that moment. Apart from the driver, there was also the Secret Service agent on the front seat and also the Texas governor at the time, John Connolly, and his wife, Nellie not the rapper. This common misconception may be due to the fact that the limousine they were in had an unusual seating arrangement with two additional jump seats. Also, many of the photos and footage taken during and right after the shooting were shot from angles that hid the middle row of seats where the governor and his wife were sitting. So that's interesting. I mean, it goes to show that's probably one of the most iconic pieces of you know, film footage that mm -hmm. has ever existed, but I don't even know why I have that footage in my mind, but I remember mm -hmm. yeah, I, what I said was exactly what it says. People's misconception is. Yeah. It's weird. What about the Tiananmen square footage that we're all so familiar with? The image of a man standing in front of a tank during the Tiananmen square protest, which shook communist China back in 1989 is one of the most famous photos of the last century. People who remember seeing the footage remember the man actually getting run over by the tank. The fact is the man did stay in place while the army tank got dangerously close to him. But the tank stopped and the man was removed by members of the army forcibly out of its way. Even though this man still remains unidentified, he was never harmed and was definitely not killed during the protest. And I want to make jokes about if you're listening to this in China, definitely nobody was killed during the protest. It was a totally normal day back in 1989 and nothing happened. Right. Right. Because right. aren't, aren't the Chinese like search engines and stuff removing this image and blocking it out as well as they can? I would imagine so. And I would imagine he was probably hurt pretty badly when yeah. the military took him out of the way. I, what's odd is I remember the tank rolling up to him. I remember him standing his ground, but I don't remember anything after that. Me either. I don't remember anything after that. I assumed he was killed, mm -hmm. but I have no memory of it. Like of what happened after that. Maybe you and I at some point, you know, bounced around between dimensions and we're in the same one when we got this footage. Could be. Yeah. And I think that you know, my personal opinion is that China would have had no, well, the Chinese communist government would have had no problem with the tank running over him and killing him. That would have been fine, except it would have, you know, tarnished their image and people would be like, mm -hmm. nope, can't put up with that. All right. Your favorite, Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a poster over in my room. I got a <laughs> cardboard cutout as well, like life size. She's very short. <laughs> <laughs> People swear that they remember the most famous missionary from the 20th century, Mother Teresa, canonized or declared a saint by the Pope back in the 1990s. But the fact is that she was declared a saint on September 4th, 2016 by Pope Francis years after she passed away in 1997. The Albanian Indian Roman Catholic nun who spent most of her lifetime <clears throat> helping the dying and the poor was often referred to as a living saint while she was still alive, which is the possible reason behind this commonly believed untrue memory. And I don't really want to talk too much about Mother Teresa because we'll we'll do an episode on her eventually, whether you like it or not. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and we'll cover some of that stuff there. But I, I don't remember a specific time when I was like, oh, they made her a saint. I I do have a memory of the 90s. Um, like the, the talk about it in church and stuff like that, because mm-hmm. at that time I would have been going to church with my family and all that. And I, I attended a Catholic school at one point and I feel like I need an explanation for that. For going to a Catholic school, because apparently that's very unusual in other parts of the country and other parts of the world. Like around here, private schools are really, really common Mm -hmm. and typically seen as much better than the public ones. Mm -hmm. But I just remember discussions of that in like church, you know, as as a kid and, you know, kind of in school, like, will they make her a saint will they not you know like what are mm-hmm. the miracles going to be that they're going to be looking for to attribute to her and well they said she cured a man of brain cancer by praying for him yeah but don't the don't the miracles have to occur after the death of the person no i don't oh you mean like i think it's it has to be during their lifetime right i mean unless they said like they took a relic and placed it on the man's head and he right right Something yeah, like that. either using a relic or praying to that person or something. Yeah. Anyway, no, I, I remember talk of it in the 90s, but I don't remember. Actually, I don't remember ever hearing that she was canonized until fairly recently. Well, you know, we'll get get to this in a different episode, but she was kind of like the all star of the Catholic Church. Like they pushed her up to be, you know, like the superhero. And, you know, she was the one that was getting the most donations and stuff like that. And I feel like in my personal view, they had to be like, well, we got to find a way to make her a saint. How can we do that? Oh, that, that guy, remember that guy, he had brain cancer and now he doesn't. So it couldn't possibly have anything to do with, you know, the genetics of cancer or just the fact that sometimes people beat cancer. Uh, it has to be that, you know, it was a miracle by her. So boom, we'll give her that bang. She's a saint. Shazam. Mm-hmm. Just because she was a celebrity. She was the Aaron Rodgers of the Catholic Church and starring in Subway commercials and all that good stuff. (laughs) The death of the first man on the moon, Neil Armstrong, allegedly. Oddly enough, many people do not have a clear memory of the passing of one of the most famous people on Earth, Neil Armstrong. The astronaut, who was the first human to allegedly set foot on the moon, passed away in August 2012 at the age of 82. Many people do not remember hearing this news and were surprised to read about it years later when the news about the anniversary of his death came out. Don't really know, don't really care, honestly. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where if they're not a celebrity, like a celebrity who's a celebrity for entertainment, mm-hmm. 
they just kind of fly under the radar. How about the Lindbergh baby kidnapping case? This case became a real media sensation back in 1932 when the baby of the popular aviator Charles Lindbergh got kidnapped. A large majority of people remember that the case remained a cold case and was never solved. But the historical fact is that the body of the baby was found about two months after the kidnapping and the killer was caught and consequently sentenced to death. Well, if you kidnap a baby and kill them, then sometimes you get the death penalty. Um, yeah. That's just how it is. So I don't really remember one way or the other. I, I Like when I was doing the research for this and I, I looked back, I didn't remember one way or the other about how the case turned out. I assumed it was a cold case. Hmm. I assumed it was the same as this. I mean, if I listen to what my fiance says about how old I act. Yeah. You know, I was only in my early... 40s when this happened <laughs> but in reality i, I uh, you know we're, we're both getting this from like third fourth fifth hand knowledge yeah you know these are people who talk to people who talk to people back in the day and they've made documentaries and movies and spoofs and things like that yeah of this case i mean even uh family guy yeah. had like a little spoofed scene of it like one of their random you know, flashing sideways to another thing kind of skits. Yeah. What about Patrick Swayze? Well, some people clearly remember that the actor beat his pancreatic cancer and recovered from it. The unfortunate fact is that Patrick Swayze passed away from this disease in 2009. And I remember him passing away from it. I remember receiving this news exclusively in the form of seeing magazine headlines in the checkout line at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. that's the only way I saw anything about this, but I, I remember this happening. And if you're telling me that the inquirer is not a reliable source of information, <sighs> then I don't even know what to believe anymore. So you remember <laughs> that he beat the pancreatic cancer? No, I remember, I remember that he passed. Okay. That he passed from it. I remember like, and I'm not, I'm really not kidding. The only thing I saw it on was magazine covers at the store, mm -hmm. but I remember seeing that he had it and then that he passed. I remember seeing interviews that were done with Patrick Swayze when he was still suffering from it. And I mean, he just looked completely different. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we remember him as this, you know, extremely fit, handsome dude that was, you know, a badass and also a lover. So mm -hmm. it's a shame, you know, yeah. it, it, he wasn't one of my favorite actors by any means. And I thought most of his movies were pretty corny. But uh, I liked um, wasn't he in Tremors? No, I don't think so. That, I mean, Kevin Bacon was in Tremors for sure. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of Kevin Bacon or maybe it's a Mandela effect. You're right. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. I mean, shit, he's all over the place. I haven't seen that movie in so long. Me neither. Yeah. All right. How about the explosion of the Challenger space shuttle? One of the most horrifying live televised events from the last century, the explosion of the Challenger right after takeoff, happened on January 28th, 1986. I was watching that in fifth or sixth grade, and we we all watched it. And, you know, I remember the teacher's face being like, oh, I've got some splaining to do, <laughs> but, um, no, 
Many people, though, claim to have a memory of the incident happening two or more years earlier. One possible reasoning behind this common false collective memory is that the shuttle did have previous successful missions before the tragic incident in 1986. And, I mean, I could go back and do the math to figure out, you know, if it truly was 1986 when I was in sixth grade or, you know, whatever, but it happened. And I don't really, you know, I don't have like a false belief that it happened earlier than it did. I just kind of know the uh, grade I was in. So yeah, mid eighties. That's all. It, it, this isn't a lot of these aren't as kind of ground shaking as mm-hmm. a whole movie being gone that tons right. of people remember. Right. Stuff like that. I think what we're trying to bring out is just that just because you you don't remember shazam doesn't mean that you don't have any mandela effect in your life because i think a lot of people do so all right what about mona lisa this is one of the most famous conspiracy theories regarding the mandela effect and it consists of multiple people actually believing that the famous painting by leonardo da vinci depicted mona lisa with a much more obvious smile in the past others believe that she is frowning and not smiling at all Experts maintain that the facial expression of one of the most famous painted ladies is a smirk. Others claim that this is a self-portrait of the genius Da Vinci himself. Well, they say that when you draw or paint, unless you're doing a specific person, you're drawing or painting a picture of yourself. That's the psychology behind it. And I think... If you're like me, you just kind of took Mona Lisa in as a painting. You didn't specifically focus on her smile, even though that's, you know, very well documented that her her smile. That, that's one of the reasons that the painting is so famous is because it's kind of a smile. It's kind of not, you know, you can see it in different ways. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? You think it's a self-portrait? No. I mean, I've never really thought too much about it, but I don't think that... I don't know. I just think it's a painting that probably got famous because of the, you know, um, what am I trying to think of? Like, uh, ambiguous yeah. facial expression. Yeah. And kind of the odd background, too. There's sort of a mismatch in the background of the level of things a little bit, and I've heard people say that there's you know, some conspiracy behind that, that it's some, you know, part of some message or something that Mm -hmm. one side is a little higher or different than the other. But I think it's mostly that it's just kind of an unusual look for the time. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I could see that. I also think that it's one of the most copied paintings of all time. You know, I mean, you see the posters they used to have at music stores where she'd have like a green spike and, you know, be have an anarchy symbol on it somewhere and and stuff like that so i think there's a lot of different variations on it absolutely there's no plausible explanation why there are so many people who remember chartreuse being a magenta pink color when it is actually the name of a green yellow hue chartreuse comes from the name of a liqueur that has this specific green yellow color so as a man uh, this is a conversation that my fiance and I have had a couple times where she'll tell me about a color, like get this color or we'll look for this color paint. And I'm like, I'm a dude. I only see like 10 colors. You got to help me. Right. 
I don't, you know, I don't know these differences. And so I've actually tried to learn some of them so I can surprise her. <laughs> like she'll see it. She's like, oh, I like that wall. Maybe we should paint such and such a room that. And I'm like, oh, you mean that shade of, you know, and then I'll bust out the name. Nice. She's like, oh, Shazam. Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works, man. Whatever yep. works. So, so yeah, I, I, you know, if someone would have asked me what color is chartreuse, I would have said pink. I mean, it. I don't know if I just totally misremember everything or if there's a, a name of a color that's similar. I didn't find that in my research, but I didn't look up like all the names of different colors of pink. But it, I think it also just the name is kind of and I, you know, I say this with the utmost honesty, honesty, it just sounds like a girl color. It sounds pink. I don't know. Maybe because it's French. I never drank chartreuse either, so I have no idea. How about New Zealand's location? Many people will reply when asked that New Zealand is northeast from Australia. The reality is New Zealand is located in a southeastern direction from Australia. Some people clearly remember that New Zealand was located to the northeast and others remember Australia being located further down south in the so-called Old World map of Earth. The possible explanation for this specific example is a mix of collective false memories and bad maps or not paying enough attention during the geography classes. And mm-hmm. New Zealand is on my bucket list. It, it is amazing. I mean, just, I can't think of another way to describe the landscapes than epic. I think that You know, New Zealand is very, very self-reliant. They don't need anything from anybody. They have everything they need there. They're not a world power. They're just kind of there. And I I think that people just don't pay attention to it because we know more or less that we pay attention to where conflicts are. Uh There's not really any conflict in New Zealand. I mean, there was the shooting that happened a few years ago that was big news around the world, but they don't really make big news around the world, you know, other than what Lord of the Rings was filmed there. Yeah. You know, it's a a great place for landscapes if you need to go there, but I I think it's just not paying enough attention in geography class, like it says. So, yeah. So it may seem strange to you, but there are a lot of people who believe that the number of states in the USA is more than 50. In fact, they claim that there are 52 or 53. This is most likely due to the addition of Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands to the territories held by the U.S. So I've never heard that. No, this is unacceptable. If you're American, this is unacceptable. If you're around the world, then okay. I'll give you I don't think this is a Mandela effect thing. I think this is like when they go and ask like people on the street who are walking around with their face buried in their phone mm-hmm. they're like how many states are there and they're like oh I don't know. you know like where they make fun of people on purpose yeah like like jay leno used to on... do it jaywalking yeah 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 or like on the ellen show where they'll never have a kid it. try to use i've never seen it either i've seen clips of it where they'll have you know a young person like a teenager like, do you, how do you use a rotary phone? And then they all laugh at this kid. And yeah. it's like, my question would be, go buy a rotary phone. <laughs> like, that's your challenge. Go buy one. Like, yeah. this kid has no reason to have ever seen it. It'd be like handing you a spear and being like, go catch dinner. And then laughing at you like, oh, you've never done this before? You mm-hmm. can't just catch an animal with like, 
you know, a, a raw a stone spear tip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's such a strange thing, but yeah. No, I, I agree. Don't think... I don't think it's a Mandela effect thing either. I think it's, well, weren't we just talking about uh, the school systems? And I wonder yeah. how many of these people were from public or private schools. Yeah, yeah. So these are really common ones related to brands. So Skechers Shoes. The footwear brand Skechers is widely recognized, but there are many people who think that the name is Skechers with a T, S-K-E-T, C-H-E-R-S, then Skechers without the T. The latter is the correct spelling, and there is no T in the name. Oscar Mayer's Hot Dogs. Another shared erroneous memory which many people have is that the name of the popular meat brand was Oscar Mayer, M-E-Y-E-R, but in actuality, it's Oscar Mayer with an A, M-A-Y-E-R, which is one that was a little bit jarring to me. Mm-hmm. Well, ho- well, hold on, hold on just a second. The Oscar Mayer thing is because of the song. My baloney has a first name. It's O-S-C-A-R. My baloney has a second name. It's M-A-Y-E-R. But I think huh. that Meyer with an E is just a more common spelling. And I think that the A and the E sound very similar and i i don't necessarily think it's misremembering i think it's like misinterpreting mishearing Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. all right tell us about the ford logo well and especially just going back to that that it's pronounced meyer Mm -hmm. where it's like if you have like john mayer Mm -hmm. or i think there's a comedian named chrissy mayer it's not spelled quite the same but it's also with an a yeah um it's clearly pronounced differently yeah. Do you recall the Jiffy peanut butter brand, which was one of the most popular ones in the USA in the early 1980s? Well, there is a brand of peanut butter which was first introduced back in 1958 and is still in existence, but its name is Jiff, not Jiffy. This is a common misconception, often referred to as a Mandela effect, and according to experts, is possibly due to a mix-up with another popular brand of the same product in the earlier years, which was called Skippy. So people have mixed those two up and made up the name jiffy and it says according to experts um experts in peanut butter i mean i don't know (laughs) (laughs) peanut butterologists yeah okay and just to interject here based on what i'm seeing you know logos change over time Mm -hmm. and years ago i bought for christmas for my brother and one of my cousins these packs of beer anheuser-busch beer Mm -hmm. and it was it was with all the different logos that they've had over time. Like each bottle, it was a, a wooden crate. It was a limited time thing. I'm not sure if it was across the country or just here because it's mm-hmm. St. Louis. Yeah. But each bottle had a different version of the label. That's With cool. the different logos over time. Yeah, it was really cool. Febreze spray. Love it. Many people get the spelling wrong for the popular odor removal spray, Febreze. They believe it is spelled F-E-B-R-E-E-Z instead this makes sense given the association with the fresh smell and the breeze, but it actually only has one E in it. I don't know if that's Mandela effect. I don't know that many people, you know, pay close attention to that sort of stuff. Like if you went to a random person on the street instead of you used for breeze and they say yes and you say, how do you spell it? I don't think it's strange that they would spell it either way, but yeah. Fruit Loops. This is a common mistake that people still make calling the favorite breakfast cereal Fruit Loops with F R U I T instead of its real name Fruit Loops F R O O T. 
and I would have never guessed. I just never paid attention. Yeah, I've never paid attention to it either. I looked up that logo, and they actually use pieces of the cereal to make all four O's in the name. Mm. So that makes sense. Not using it would have been kind of a missed opportunity. <laughs> so this is one that I've heard of too, the logo for the Fruit of the Loom. Mm-hmm. And that behind the fruit, people think there's a cornucopia, which is that kind of imagine a basket shaped mm-hmm. like a curved horn. That's horn a cornucopia. Of yeah. And people think that it's there, but it's actually not. It's just the pile of fruit. Mm-hmm. So whiteout. You may recall the popular white correction fluid, which was used back when typewriters and handwritten notes were in fashion. Uh, but whiteout is actually spelled W-I-T-E-O-U-T. White is not spelled correctly, you know, the traditional way. Because that would be racist. <laughs> but yeah, I would have never guessed because it just seems like a stupid I don't know, a stupid idea. They're, they're, like yeah, they wanted to save so money by not printing the H. <laughs> yeah, that could be. That could be. All right, so Kit Kat. The famous candy bar name may be recalled as Kit Dash Cat or Kit Space Cat by many. Not Space Cat, but with a space in between. <laughs> but the brand is actually called Kit Kat with no hyphen or space in the middle. Cheese it. Another popular example of the Mandela effect in brands is the memory of Cheez-Its when the actual name of the snacks is Cheez-It. And I don't know that that's a Mandela effect thing either because Cheez-It is the name of the product, but there's multiple, I guess, products or pieces of product in the box. And people would say, give me some Cheez-Its, meaning give me a bowl or a bag or whatever, not give me Cheez-It. Because that just wouldn't make sense linguistically. So I mm-hmm. think that could be the case for that. My wife's favorite, double stuff Oreos. Many Oreo lovers believe that their favorite double stuffed cookies are called double stuff Oreo with two F's, S-T-U-F-F. But the fact is that the name is double stuff Oreo with just one F instead. Yeah, that's another one that's just an odd misspelling. And I, I don't know. Some of these don't really seem like Mandela effects, but maybe people are more insistent on them. Yeah, they're adamant that they're right. Yeah, when you remember it the same way a certain number of times, you get really sure about it. Attached to it. Yeah, so Smokey the Bear. Do you recall Smokey the Bear being one of advertising's icons? All right, well, I do remember the ad campaigns when... I was a kid, like very young, because I don't remember any more recent ads from Smokey Bear, Smokey the Bear, but I I do remember the commercials, but I never paid attention if it was Smokey the Bear or Smokey Bear. Uh Well, the fact is that Smokey Bear, but I do remember being Smokey the Bear, so I think Mm -hmm. this is like a whole different Mandela effect than what we're talking about. Mm Mm-hmm. The fact is Smokey Bear or Smokey the Bear, which we're having our own Mandela effect here with that, was a character depicted in public announcements for wildfire prevention rather than being a specific advertising icon for a certain company or brand. And that's totally how I remember it. I don't remember him doing anything except uh, anti-forest fire ads. Nope. And I remember him being Smokey the Bear, not Smokey Bear the way, the way we're finding it here. All right, so uh, the Monopoly Man, 
Close your eyes and try picturing the mascot of the Monopoly board game, Rich Uncle Pennybags, uh, or better known as the Monopoly Man. Do you see him wearing a top hat and a monocle? And see, this is one of those leading questions that we were talking about earlier. True. If you do, then you're one of the large number of people who mistakenly remember him depicted with a monocle. The probable reason behind this common occurrence is the fact that there is a similar looking animated character who is the mascot of planters and is named Mr. Peanut, who is depicted with a top hat and wearing a monocle. Shazam. So this is one of the ones that I could go either way. Mm-hmm. I actually don't remember him having the monocle, but I also more than him like popping out of the O in Monopoly like it is on the game board, like on the box. Yeah. I remember the little depictions of him kind of like running around the board. Mm hmm. Or like the, you know, just they're like little depictions of him running and stuff like that. And I don't recall there being a monocle on that. So I just assumed he didn't wear one. Well, I think it's part of this is that he seems like just the kind of guy that would have a monocle. Uh You know, like it seems like it would just fit in so well with his top hat and tux or whatever he's wearing. So, Uh, unfortunately, your favorite band, you told me that you like to carry copies of their albums in any vehicle you're driving uh the black eyed peas oh yeah b-e-p so while some swear that the black eyed peas released their hit single boom boom pow in 2008 it really came out in 2009 and fergie doesn't sing i'm so 2008 you're so 2000 and late what she actually says is i'm so 3008 and you're so 2000 and late. Boom. That's all we've got for tonight's episode of Cryptique. Don't forget to do us the huge favor of subscribing to our show so we can continue to bring you interesting podcasts. You can email us case suggestions or your examples of the Mandela effect at crypticpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, Crypt Keepers, and have a good evening.